Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Well, we want to welcome everyone. Welcome to those watching online. Um, we are in the midst of a new Easter series called From Darkness into Light. And uh, we are kind of preparing our hearts for Easter Many know this as the season of Lent, 40 days leading up to Easter, where we just kind of get ready for the cross and we get ready for the resurrection. So over the next few weeks, next Sunday, we're having Palm Sunday where Jesus rides in and they cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then after that, it leads up to Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. So if you are looking for a church, we want to invite you to come join us as we guide our hearts towards the cross but not just to the cross, to the empty tomb. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke 15. So if you go and turn there and again, welcome everyone. James Merritt tells the story of a guy that was raised here in these mountains of Western North Carolina. And this guy was the son of a famous man in this area. And I want you guys to try to guess who he is. Um, He was a college dropout. He was arrested several times, known by the local County officers in Black Mountain. He struggled with drinking and carousing and brawling. And the problem was not just that he was doing that stuff, but his dad was one of the most famous Americans. Who am I talking about? Franklin Graham. We have a picture. So he himself declared that he was the prodigal son, that he knew the truth, but he ran away from the truth. And yet in the South, in the good old days before they had electricity, whenever you drive by someone's house, they would leave a porch lamp burning. And the idea was someone was away and the family that was inside the house was waiting for the person to return home. And today we're going to look at a passage in Luke 15 that we have a father in heaven who leaves his porch light burning. That whenever we're away, he's watching and he's waiting for us to return home. So let's go ahead and open in prayers with prayer hearts. And if you haven't turned to Luke 15, go ahead and turn there real fast. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you that we serve a God who leaves the porch lamp burning for us. That we can find our way in the darkness to come back home. And Father, during this Easter season... We are trying to get our hearts in a place, whether we're near or far from you, that we just want to look at the cross and we want to be reminded of what Jesus did, that he paid for the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven and set free. So, Father, we pray as we talk about this famous story known as the prodigal son, that we would be reminded that this parable represents an earthly This earthly story represents a heavenly truth that the Father is waiting for us. So, Father, remind us of these truths as we look into your word, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Luke 15, as we read verses 11 through 32, I'm going to read the whole passage. And I want you to ask you guys this question. Are you more like the older brother or the younger brother? Which one in the story do you relate most to? In verse 11, the scripture starts off with, 
Then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to him, his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours has come, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. May God bless his word. This is the word of God. So in Luke chapter 15, I want you guys just to think about this passage. Many of you have heard this story before. How many of you have heard the story of the prodigal son? Pretty much everyone in here, even people that have never been in church have heard this story And what's fascinating is this story is in the context of three total stories. If you go back in your Bible and look at Luke 15 verses 1 through 2, Jesus is addressing three stories that address two different groups of people. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, it says that the religious leaders, the Pharisees and such were complaining 
Because sinners were coming to Jesus, tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst were receiving Christ. So what Jesus does to address both groups of people is he gives three stories. The first story is about a shepherd who has what? You guys can talk. Sheep. He has a hundred sheep. What happens to one of those sheep? They get lost. So the sheep goes into a far country and is lost. All right. And then the shepherd searches for this lost sheep, brings him back. And there is rejoicing and celebration. The, the second story relates to a woman at home and in her own house. She has 10 silver coins. And what happens to, to one of them? She loses one of them. Right. So she lights a lamp and searches diligently until she finds that lost coin. And once she finds that coin, what does she do? She calls her neighbors, the celebrates, rejoices. Now, what's fascinating with the lost son is I think it's better titled the good father and the two lost sons. And here's why. If you look at Luke 15, one through two, Jesus is bringing the two stories to culminate in the third story. So the first story, the shepherd that goes after a lost sheep in a far country symbolizes the younger brother that went into a far country. And in the second story, the woman that finds the lost coin at home symbolizes the older brother who is religious, but he's lost at home. So what Jesus, the master storyteller, does is he brings in both those stories. And it's not just the prodigal son. It's the good father and the two lost sons, because you can be at the father's house, but not near the father's heart. And we see the work of the Trinity in these stories. And these are analogies to help get your mind. When we use analogy like or as, it points us to uh, something of a greater truth. So the good shepherd, which person of the Trinity does that relate to? Jesus revealed himself as what? The good shepherd. We have the woman lighting this lamp and searching the house. Which person of the Trinity illuminates her hearts? The Holy Spirit. And then the good, good father that is watching for his son to come home. Which person the Trinity does that point us to God, the father. So we see the work of the Trinity. So what I want to do is look at this story with different eyes instead of we're going to talk about the prodigal son. But instead of just looking at him, let's look at both brothers and then let's look at the real hero of the story is not the younger brother. It's the good, good father. So first of all, let's look at the younger son. He was wild eyed and footloose. Do you have anybody in your family that is a free spirit? Maybe some of the high school students here, they're saying is as soon as I turn 18, I'm going to get out of here as far from mom and dad as I can. All right. I can't wait till I turn 18. Is anybody there? Parents are pointing. Just kidding. They're not. But some of us have this idea that life is better The grass is greener somewhere else other than the father's house. And that that's kind of the young son. So what I want you to do is look at your listening guide. For those of you got a bulletin, those who don't just listen along. I want to kind of go through and see which one you're most like. So the younger son, he cared more about fun than about family. If you notice, he asked for the inheritance when before his father died. Generally speaking, in American culture and in Jewish culture, You don't get your inheritance till what? After your parents pass away. So basically, the younger son cared more about the gift instead of the giver. 
He cared more about what he could get from his father than spending time with his father. In Jewish culture, this would be like saying, Dad, you're getting a little old, but you're living a lot longer than I thought you were going to live. Okay, you're getting old. Okay, and I know you're going to die one day and I'm going to get one third of the inheritance. My brother's going to get two thirds. The Jewish culture, they got the oldest got a double portion. So I want my third right now. Even though you're not dead, I don't want to wait. I don't want to be like midlife crisis blowing through inheritance. I want it young. He would have been a young teenager at this point. So basically, he did not care so much about the father in this season. And notice he didn't really care about his brother. He didn't care to leave his brother out working. He left his brother to manage all of the, the father's estates. The younger son wanted his freedom and he wanted it now. He wanted instant gratification. It was all about me. And as we read this story, we have to apply what does this speak to us? For those of us in this room as American Christians, how many younger brothers today? It's all about I have it your way. It's all about me, right? Be king of your own castle, rule your own world. And don't think it doesn't apply in church. How many of us are more church consumers than contributors? Like we say, I want this for my family. I want this style of preaching. You're either too loud, not loud enough. I want this style of music. And if we're not careful, we can have a little younger brother in us. It's about I. What would happen if God changed the narrative that we realize it's not about what I could get from the father, but it's about being with the father. And when you're with the father, you know, his heart. And all of a sudden, instead of consumers, we're turning to contributors. Instead of wanting stuff for ourselves, we're wanting to change the world. We're on mission. Instead of our personal preferences, we're about the purpose of the Great Commission of making disciples what Jesus left us on earth for. Amen. So ask yourself, am I more like the younger brother? Is it I? So here's the thing. In verse 13, he sees the moment. He lived only for the present. Notice that he went to a far country and you got to ask, why did he leave? So this would this this parable, which, by the way, a parable is an earthly story representing a what? Heavenly truth. Right. And there's one big truth that every parable represents. So I'm going to give that at the end. But basically, this parable is given so we could ask, where do I find myself in the story? What is the, what is the reason behind this? So he leaves the country. This would be Jerusalem or Israel. And he goes to Gentile country. And the idea is if I stayed locally to spend my father's wealth, people would wrap me out to my father, right? So I'm going to leave Asheville. I'm going to leave Arden. I'm going to leave Black Mountain. I'm going to leave Swannanoa. I'm going to leave Hendersonville. I'm going to Vegas, baby. Because what happens in Vegas? There we go. You guys are with me. I I like interaction. Thank you. So the idea is I want to leave to a place where nobody will tell on what but this is before social media this is before facebook and instagram and snapchat chat this is before your parents could go on your social and see what's going on they didn't know they didn't have that then so he leaves and notice it says he spent his father's inheritance in prodigal living you may want to write it down the word prodigal means to scatter or to disperse abroad now it becomes mean this is a wild child he's a prodigal but then it meant a little more than that it meant to waste something So what was he wasting? He not only was wasting his father's money and his inheritance, but he was wasting his time. And I want to I want to speak to the young people just for a moment. Young people, I want to encourage you. The best time to serve God is now. 
Satan's temptation is like, wait till you get older, then you can fully surrender. Right now you're saved. So, yeah, just get out in the world, go, go off to college, sow a little wild oats. But in Ecclesiastes 12, it says, remember your creator when in the days of your youth, because now you have more energy, you have more time, you have more life. Because as you get older, it becomes more difficult. You have more responsibilities. And as age creeps in, you have more health issues. So Solomon, looking back on his life, says, as I look at my life, the best time to serve God is right now. And especially in the days when you're, you're young. So notice what happens. He does something in verses 14 through 16. He runs out of money and he runs out of friends. Because if you got no money, you got no friends, right? Because they're there for the party. And his dream turned into a nightmare when he did the unthinkable for a Jewish young man to do. What did he do? Feeding pigs. And uh, we're going to illustrate this point. Ocean, wherever you're at, come on down. We're going to illustrate this point because I've read over this so many times and I've just kind of skipped over it. And I wanted to illustrate this. Everyone say hello, Ocean. Ocean is going to illustrate this. So. Ocean, you're the prodigal son. Okay, you're the prodigal. And he starts off spending money to impress people he didn't know, didn't even like. And when he ran out of money, all of a sudden he hits rock bottom. And you notice the scripture, it says he was looking at the pig food. We have any pig food? Come on out here, Ocean. And we got a pig here. So backstory of this pig. All right, let's dress him up while I explain this. We're going to dress up. Can you mess up his hair? He needs a little more prodigal. So I could not find a pig to illustrate this. Okay, I called farmers. And if you know a pig farmer, let me know. Next time I preach on this, I'll use it. But pigs are very smelly. Maybe that's why I couldn't find one because it would stink up the place. Okay, pigs are smelly. And he was, uh, by the way, you can't have a spoon in this. We, we let's, let's wrap this up. So... Um, this is going to be the pig. This is a little puppy. So turn, turn, turn the puppy around. This is a pig. So, so tell me, does this look nutritious to you? Would anybody want to eat this? I'm not going to tell you what's in it. Let's just say it's gelatinous something that you, I'm not going to, let's just not even go there. So in the biblical times, it was like carob pods. It was like, you know, and farmers today, they throw in corn, they throw different stuff. But for the sake of this illustration, I left corn out. So all of a sudden, he looks at the, the, the pig food and he's longing, but here's the pause. It didn't say whether he ate it or not. He just was desiring it. Nobody gave him food. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm hungry. And here's the question. What would happen if he would have stayed two more days before he ran back? You ever asked the question, what would have happened? So, all right. Can you eat this? I'm hungry. All right. Oh. <laughs> all right. We need a little in your hair. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, let's see if the pig wants to eat any. See, not even eating it. Oh, oh. And here's the thing. We're going to put this down here because this is nasty. And I'm not going to ask you to eat any more. (laughs) Here you go. Leah, can you help me out here? He's somebody went a little messy with this illustration. So here's the point. You got to stay up here just for one moment. When it comes to sin. The old time preachers had it right. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you're willing to pay. And guess what? It'll keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And eventually you will find yourself doing things that you never would have done. 
Can someone say pig slop? I mean, think about this. Would anybody here want to eat this? And the prodigal son, he's feeding these pigs. Look at this. And it's like he went from the lights of Vegas, so to speak, wherever the Vegas was in the biblical times, to now he's hanging out with an animal that he considers unclean. And what I want you to take from the younger brother is sin is fun. It is, or otherwise no one would do it. But sin is costly. And it makes you in places like you didn't expect. Let's give a prodigal a hand. How was that? It was uh, very interesting. Very interesting. All right. If you want to know what's in my secret formula, come see me afterward. We'll, we'll put this on the stage here. All right. And the pig made no sounds. How about that? And by the way, when I made some phone calls, uh, the, the, so the office made calls. They're like, are you crazy? A pig in church? And I'm like, we're trying to illustrate a point here. OK, so that's the younger brother. He ran out of money. He did things he didn't want to do. And finally, if you look at your scripture passage, verses 17 through 19, he finally had the brightest idea of all. He said, you know what? I'm looking at these nasty pig pods. Now you guys will visualize this. And my father, I mean, the servants, the lowest in the family, they, they have food and food to spare. And here I am looking at these carob pods and longing to eat the pig food. Here's what I'll do. I will arise and go back to my father. And then he comes up with this I'm sorry speech. You guys ever did that? Get in trouble. You did your dad's car. You know, something happens. And then you're like, what am I going to say? Dad's, going, dad's coming home. And mom says, just wait till dad comes home. And you, you get this I'm sorry speech. We had all of that. And all of a sudden he begins to take one step. And I want to encourage you that every journey in life begins with a single step. So if you ever find yourself in the far country doing things you wish you never would have done with people that you never dreamed you'd be with, the step home is one step and then another. And in verse 20, I visualize it like this. I visualize he's holding this pig pail. So he drops the pig pail, he jumps the rusty rail, and he gets back on the trail to the father's home. He's going back. Every journey begins with a single step. And I follow along the scripture. As he gets back, something happens, the unthinkable. In verse 20, he draws near to the father. And who sees who first? Who, does, the younger, does the younger son see the father? Or does the father see him first? The father sees him at a distance. And the father sees him coming, and instead of having indignation to the younger son, he has compassion. And, you know, as a father of five, I ask myself, would I, would I feel that way about my kids? And I hope I would, right? I hope I would. But some of us have that mindset, you had it coming, right? But when I see this story, I'm wrecked because I want to have more of a father's heart. If my kids go astray, I don't want to have indignation. I want to have compassion on them. Welcome home. Welcome home. And as he sees his son coming, the roles are reversed. In this culture, in a, in a blame-shame culture, in, in certain cultures, it's like that. If you, do it, if you do something bad, it's shame and then honor, honor, shame culture. In this culture, the son would be the one that would fall on his face and beg for mercy and forgiveness. Make me a servant. But the roles are flipped. Instead of the son begging for forgiveness, the father interrupts him. And the father runs after him. And by the way, this is one of the most beautiful pictures of God. We're going to hit in a little bit later that God is running after you. He's a father. He's a God that runs for you. 
He's a God that's waiting for you to come home. And it goes back just the simple John three sixteen, the gospel in a nutshell for God so loved the world that he gave. We have a father that's longing for us, that's giving. And notice what he does here. He's running for him. And I see in the picture of the father, I see a father with compassion in his eyes, love in his voice and hope in every step. So if you if you're away from God right now, the invitation is to come home. If you're if you're the younger brother, prodigal son, come home because James four eight says it like this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if you're not as close to God as you once were, it's just one step back. And notice what happened. The father fell on his neck. The son that had been a pain in his neck is now embraced by the unconditional love of the faithful father. He's falling on his neck and he kissed him. The son that had been out kissing wild women and beer bottles is now being kissed by the faithful father. The son starts his I'm terribly sorry speech. He said, Father, I have sinned and I'm not worthy to be your son. And as soon as he gets ready to go in his speech, the father interrupts his I'm sorry speech. He interrupts him. Before he interrupts him, I want you to see the gospel in a nutshell. Anytime we receive salvation, we have to come to the father like this. God, I'm a sinner and I bring nothing to the table but an open heart. That's that's the gospel in a nutshell, right? Christ died. He rose again. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. So he starts this speech. And what happens? The father interrupts him. And I just want to highlight one part of this before we go to the older brother. It's the word repent. It's the word repent. In the Hebrew mind, one of the pictures of repentance is to return. Someone say to return. Repentance is a change of mind with a change of lifestyle. That's true. But it's also to return. Like if you're not as close to God as you once were, repentance means to go back to the father. In the Old Testament, in the prophet Zechariah 1, 3, it says, therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord, he says, return to me and I will what? I will return to you. And then he goes on to say in Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me for I have redeemed you. So if you're not as close to God as you once were. The invitation is to return. Come home, younger brother, come home. The gospel for the younger brother is that you're never too far away from God. He is just a prayer away. And if you just say, God, please take me back. God, please forgive me. He doesn't care how far you've been gone. He has the power to forgive anything you've done wrong. He just wants you to come home. So come home, younger brother. Now we have the older son who often gets neglected in the story known as the prodigal son. The, young, the older son was serving the father out of duty instead of out of love. Notice in verse 25, when the younger brother comes, the, the older brother was out in the field working. So he was faithfully serving the father. And what's fascinating is the younger brother has lived out in the world, a slave to sin. He comes back and says, make me a servant. The father says, no, you're going to be a son. And the older brother has been like a son in the house the whole time, but he's had the mindset of a slave. He's had the mindset of a slave, even though he's been in the father's house. Is it possible 
that you can be in the father's house, but yet be far from the father's heart. Is it possible? Is it possible to be religious, but not have a relationship with God? Is it possible? Well, when you look at who this person represents, the scribes and Pharisees that knew scripture, some of them had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament and they could quote a chapter and verse. The answer is yes, it's possible to have religion without a relationship with God. It's possible to be serving in the father's house without really knowing the father's heart. How do we know that he was lost? Well, verses 26 through 28, he was unforgiving towards his younger brother. The idea behind that is if you have been forgiven by the father, you should show forgiveness through the father. Like if, 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 if Christians can't be forgiving, then who can? Those who have been forgiven much should love much. If you have been graced by God, shouldn't you be graceful? And just a little side note, the reason why some people never come into a church is because they've met too many older brothers, too many religious people that they know the Bible chapter and verse, but they don't have a thriving relationship. They're in the father's house, but they don't have the father's heart. So older brother, if that's you, this is also a call that you too need forgiveness. You too need the father's love. You too need to realize that the father is still chasing after lost sons and daughters, inviting them to come home. In verse 28, he refused to attend his brother's welcome home party. And something I seldom have seen before, but really it hit me as I've studied this in the past, is that the older brother calls just as much shame to the father as the younger son. And you're like, well, how is that? The younger son spent all the father's money, did all this. But notice the father has to go outside the house and beg his, his oldest son to come in. And this was shame in that culture. He, he had to humble himself. Come in, please come in. And he knew the father's house, but he didn't know the father's heart. He had a slave mentality instead of a son mentality. So we, we mentioned the younger brother represents the, the tax collectors and sinners. Who does the older brother represent? Who do we say? They represent the Pharisees. It represents the scribes, the people that had religion but rejected Jesus, the only one who could save them. So here's some questions to ask if you're like the older brother. Do you serve God out of a sense of duty, but inside you're lacking joy? How many people in church have you seen that are there every Sunday, but they have no joy? Wow. I mean, don't point the person next to you, okay? Do you struggle with forgiving others who have done you wrong? Do you get bitter and toxic? Are you prone to point out the faults in others before you pray for them? Are you so busy working for God that you don't have time to spend with God? Do you struggle with a religious spirit that you don't have much grace for others? If that's the case, dear older brother, it's time to embrace grace. Just like your younger brother, the rebel, the free spirited, you too need forgiveness. Whether you stayed at home and you didn't go out to the far country, you too need forgiveness. The Bible says all of us have sin. All of us have fallen short. And all of us need God's grace. Can I hear amen? And finally, here's the real star of the show. It's not the prodigal son who came home. It's not the other brother that was working hard. But here's the star. It's the good father. He's always gracious, always loving, and always kind. Max Lucado in his book tells the story of a Spanish father. And I've shared this before the congregation, one of my favorite stories. Max Lucado tells a story about this father and his son. They got in a conflict 
And the son ran away and the father searched for him day after day, but could not find the younger son. And he took out a newspaper article in the Madrid newspaper. And here's what he said. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. It was on a Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And that Saturday at noon at that particular newspaper office, Locato says 800 Paco showed up. 800 Pacos, 800 young men searching for the forgiveness of a father. So here's what we can gather from that. The father wants to forgive us. As soon as you recognize your need, whether you were rebellious or whether you were disciplined and structured and did all the right things, but yet you were religious, but didn't have a relationship, you never were really born again. The father's waiting. Notice in verse 22, look back at that passage He didn't punish the son for his sins. The reason for that is Jesus took our punishment on the cross. Jesus was wounded so we wouldn't have to be if we come to him. He gave the best robe for the worst son. Think about that. The worst son got the best robe. And as as a father with several children, the number one thing we hear in my family is that's not that's not fair. But the father is always fair. As we'll see later on, he said, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. I'm always fair. But remember, God's payday is not always in this lifetime. You may think that God's not fair, but he is. He's faithful and he's just and he will reward in the end. In verse 22, we also see that he restored the son, his sonship, by giving him the family, what? Signet ring. And then he, in verse 22, we see that he put sandals on the feet. So think about this, the, the feet of the son that had run away, the feet of the son that had been hanging out with pigs, those feet. Now, what's fascinating is sons had sandals, slaves did not. And while he's longing to eat these pods somewhere along the way, it looks like he had to pawn off his sandals. He got that broke. He, he didn't have sandals. And what the father did is he put sandals back on the feet that had once run away. And that's a picture of grace. That's a picture of sonship. Paul says it like this in Romans 8:15. Look at the screen. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Instead, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by we cry, Abba, Father. So if you truly know the father, he's made you a son or a daughter in him. It's the spirit of sonship. He threw the biggest welcome home party. He provided the best food. He killed the what? Fatted calf. How many of you would like filet mignon today? I would like some of that, right? I mean, the worst son got the best robe, got the best party. He had a joy and celebration with music and dancing that shows that he was not Baptist. Just kidding. You can laugh. Presbyterians are laughing. No dancing, right? Um, So they were celebrating. And notice in verse 28, if you'll skip down in the passage, the older son, he pleaded with, please come in, please come in. And the older son accused him of not being fair, right? You never threw me a party. You never even gave me a young goat, much less filet mignon. I mean, come on, dad. It was something I never saw until this time going through this passage. Is you remember the beginning of the story? The father divided to both of them, right? So the son got, the younger son got one third, the older son got two thirds, a double portion. So here's what the father's saying. 
You are living in my house. You're my son. And by the way, you own everything currently, not will. I've already given you my inheritance. So it's your fault that you never threw a party. It's your fault you never rejoiced. Because you are spending so much time working for me, you've forgotten my heart. When you, when you know the Father's heart, it's one of rejoicing and celebration. So if you've been in church so long, you've lost the joy, I want you to rediscover the Father's heart. It's one of joy. It's one of celebration. It's one of rejoicing. It's one of music and dancing. Even makes a Baptist or Presbyterian want to shout. This is the Father's house. And the Father's conclusion He said, it's good to celebrate because my son that once was lost is now found. He was dead and now he's alive. And here's the picture. The Bible says any time someone becomes born again, a lost person gets found, gets saved, becomes a follower of Christ. What happens in heaven? High school students. There's a party in heaven. Angels are rejoicing. So I don't know about you, but I want to become a party thrower in heaven. When I get to heaven, I want them to say, you're you're here. You know how many parties you started? And I was like, I never was there. But, you know, it's like the party I didn't get invited to because I can't be there yet. So I want to challenge all of you to become party starters in heaven. Every time through the power of God and through the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you lead someone to Christ. You are throwing a party in heaven. And by the way, you will eventually get to go to that party. It's just delayed a little bit. Because when you get to see him face to face and you see the, the thousands that you impacted, maybe didn't know it. Now you get to enter into that party right now. You're just working a little bit, but you still need to celebrate here on earth. Amen. So let's let's talk about the gospel for the older brother. We talked about the younger brother. The older brother needs to realize you, too, are saved by grace. You, too, brought nothing. You, too, can serve and work and labor but it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And it, it, it hurts my heart that, and Billy Graham once said that there's so many church people that were never born again. They had religion, but never had a relationship. And that's why he always gave the gospel message. You must be born again. So look at your listening guide. Let's see how this points us to Jesus. He gave his life so that you can be welcomed with open arms by the father. So no matter if you're more like the younger brother, carefree, if you're more like the older brother, you're more disciplined and structured. The father stands with arms wide open and he's telling you to come home. Even if you never left the house, act like you're part of the house. Act like you're a son of the king of kings. So to summarize this story, here's the big idea. I mentioned every parable has one big idea. Okay, so there's different applications you can draw on like we've done today. But when you read the Bible, you ask, what is the big idea of this parable? And I think this is the big idea. God is watching and waiting for you to come home today, whether you're the older brother, the younger brother. So I want to encourage you to come back into his open arms. He's saying, welcome home, welcome home. So let's talk about your next steps here at Arden. We don't teach just for information. We teach for transformation. And every time you hear the Bible preached, you got to ask the question, so what? Right. So what? I haven't got an inheritance yet. So what? You know, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a daughter, not a son. So what? Well, here's, here's what I want to get you. If you're like the younger brother, or you could say younger daughter, I want to encourage you to run back home today. The father is not going to meet you with indignation. He's going to meet you with compassion. As soon as you take one step, you're going to see that God is not only waiting for you. As soon as you take that first step, God is running towards you with open arms. To the older brother, 
If you have service, but no joy, if you're kind of rigid and religious, but there's no contentment in Christ, if you know the Bible, but you're not transformed by it, you, you don't have the spirit of love, joy and peace and patience. I want to encourage you to realize no matter what you've done for Jesus, the father wants you not only to know his house, but know his heart to spend time with him. So don't be so busy working for God that you can't be with God. And to all the parents out there, some of you have children and grandchildren that are high school, they've graduated, they've gone in the far country, some not only profess to be believers. I want this story to encourage you that God still pursues prodigal children. And even though they've gone astray, don't stop praying for them to come home because God is waiting and watching for them. And to everyone, I want this just to be tattooed on your soul today. That your father is fond of each and every one of you. If you've ever had a negative thought about God, I want you to look at this beautiful story of the amazing father and the two lost sons. That he's fond of you. He's waiting for you. He's watching you. And whenever you draw closer to him, he comes running towards you. Eyes of compassion, heart of love, purpose in every step. Amen. So I want to encourage you as we conclude just a few thoughts going forward. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, we see Jesus make his his heart is set towards the cross. And as he comes in, he hears Hosanna, which means Lord, save us. And we see palm branches waving. And so next week's going to be a time of celebration. So I want to encourage you. For all of our church folks and guests, if you don't have a church, come next Sunday and celebrate Hosanna with us. And then Good Friday, we're going to do a special Good Friday service at 6 p.m. that following Friday. And it's going to be a time of reflection and not a time of celebration. We are going to remember, reflect on the death of Jesus. It's going to be a time where we leave in silence. So come just kind of preparing your heart for for remembering the death of Jesus. And for Easter Sunday... Both services will be up here. The nine o'clock service folks who are here today, we're going to be in the sanctuary because we're going to give room for guests to come. And it's a time of celebration. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray.